craggy limestone outcrops break through the trees. Fast, cold rivers gouge their way through the plunging valleys. No supermarkets. No commercial zones. Astonishingly, it feels like very little might have changed in these interim years. Tidier, surely. More prosperous, certainly. But no new conurbations, no new roads carving through the landscape. Jonathan describes it as Mary Poppins' country. He's a New Zealander. I think he means the sound of music. At Levier, we need to turn off and find the D356, barely a threadworm on the map. There is no sign for the D356, but Wantamayo leads us to a minor road that winds through the forest. Every tree, every field, every bridge, each bend in the road feels significant. Foolish, I know, but everything suddenly seems to pulsate with meaning. A small sign to an FFI memorial, so hidden we almost miss it, points to a narrow lane on our left. We follow it until we arrive at a clearing where we park. I feel an overwhelming sense of anticipation, and poignancy too, that I am here and Dad is not here with me. And I wonder why, in all the camping holidays when we were young, he never brought us here. We get out, look around. Just beyond where we've parked is a high stone wall, above which, framed beneath the beach canopy, is our first glimpse of the chateau of Grange Maillot, a banded exoskeleton of white stone ribs standing alone in the middle of the forest. There is no one here, no ticket office, no booth, no tourists. Nobody at all. A more formal sign, commemorating the Maquis de Mayo who died during the German occupation, points us onwards, 700 metres more. We follow the track, into some woods, out, across a field, back into the woods again. We climb steadily, picking our way around boulders and roots, along the narrow path, deeper into the forest. It is easy to imagine the Mackie here, moving like deer, fleet-footed through the understory. Another arrow urges us on. The path continues to climb until we enter a tiny clearing and see the double cross of the Croix de Lorraine, symbol of the French resistance. And my heart sinks a little, for instead of being on our own in the forest, undisturbed with our imaginations, there is someone here, a man with a trowel in his hands, weeding around the base of the monument. We walk slowly up. He greets us cordially and steps back to allow us to read the inscription. We smile and nod politely, bow our heads to read the eleven names of the Maquis who died. I turn to the man and, in pitiful schoolgirl French, blurt out, Dans le guerre, mon père travaille avec le résistance ici. Avec le Maquis Et quand il arrive dans la nuit, il reste dans le, le château ici? Miraculously, the man appears to understand, tips his head gently to one side and nods. He tells us during the war the château was the home of his grandmother. It was she who gave safe shelter and support to the Maquis. He is doing a little maintenance on the memorial before he returns to Paris in the morning. We nod and smile. Ah, votre grand-mère! Ah! I stagger on and try to explain that Dad came by avion par le parachutage. I mime floating by parachute, pointing to the sky. 
il venait avec deux autres hommes, un Français et un Américain. Ils arrivent dans une place cachée près d'ici avec beaucoup d'équipage pour aider la résistance, le, le maquis contre les Allemandes. Oh dear, there might have been some Spanish in there. My accent isn't bad, but I'm sure the grammar is dreadful. He inclines his head again like a bird listening, then tells us the terrain where the parachutes landed is nearby, at a place called something beginning with, I think it is R, followed by something that sounds like a revving lawnmower. Vous connaissez la place où les parachutes arrivaient? I ask incredulously as I mime the parachutes landing again. Oui, oui, rayurière, he repeats the name. We still can't untangle it.